Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Looking forward to the World Cup. England are definitely going to win it uh, this year. This is our year. Yes, football is coming home. The Apostle Paul says that praise is always on my lips and England are definitely going to win the World Cup. I could lead us in a chorus of football's coming home, but I'm going to refrain this morning until the appeal at the end. But I, I'm excited to be here. If you're new this morning, listen, it's great to see you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Josh, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Arena. And as Andy said, we're in this series called Do the Hard Things. Do the Hard Things. Now, who, who's caught some of these messages in Do the Hard Things? Just took you out. Yeah, by show of hands, great. Now, I know it's been like holiday season, half term, and all that stuff. But if you've missed any of these messages, I'd encourage you to go back, tap into our podcast and take a listen. I don't know about you, but me and Lisa were talking in the office uh, the other day and, and Christian walked in and I said, Christian, the message you preached the other week was the worst message I've listened to for a long time. And I didn't mean that because it was a bad message. I meant it because it was hard to listen to for me. It was hard to hear. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, he, Christian said, yeah, I noticed you were a bit quieter that morning. See, he was talking about relationships and I knew that in my life there were certain people I needed to be kinder to, certain people I needed to love more and frankly, people in my life who I didn't want to love more. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And thank God that over the last few weeks I've had the opportunity to build some bridges where there weren't some before. And you know what? What I've found is the people who I thought were, were bad and, and this and that maybe weren't as bad as I thought they were as I reach out and determine to build a bridge. See, the messages we hear on a Sunday morning, they're, they're not simply to be heard, they're to be worked out and acted out in our lives as God calls us and leads us. See, this is doing the hard things. It's easy to listen to something and think, isn't it? But it's hard to live it out, to work it into our lives. You might be sitting here this morning and, and your question might be, yeah, but Josh, why do the hard things? Why, why not take the easiest route? Well, if you want to live a successful life, if you want to live a big life, if you want to fulfill your purpose and destiny, doing the hard things is vital. See, this is a principle that isn't just worked out in the Christian world. This is a biblical principle that's worked out in the whole world. See, you ask any successful business person, any successful sports person, any successful pastor why they have been successful it is because they chose to do the hard things. They didn't settle for, for, for the easiness of life to sit back. They actually chose to keep pushing forward and to move forward. See, doing the hard things is choosing to learn rather than stagnate. It's choosing to move forward over comfort. It's choosing to live beyond our feelings. John Maxwell is a famous leadership teacher, leadership commentator, leadership author. And he says this, he says, most people have uphill dreams, but downhill habits. You have to intentionally turn downhill sliding into uphill climbing. What John Maxwell is saying is this, that people have these big, huge dreams. We've all known people with dreams, haven't we? And I hope you've got dreams. That's a great thing to have, a vision over your life. But he's saying that people have these huge dreams, but they don't have the habits in place to get them there. 
You know, people like Steve Jobs, who revolutionized the way that we interact with the world. There's no two ways about it. He did. He settled. He didn't settle for a life of just flicking the TV on each night and kicking his feet back. While you and me were watching TV, he was working. He was learning. He was teaching himself. This is doing the hard things. It's moving forward. See, in Arena... We want you to fulfill your potential in Jesus. We want you to live the life that God is calling you to. We want you to live a life that honours God. Because when we honour God, God honours us. This morning, we're going to be talking about doing the hard things with integrity. Now, Matthew 7 Verse 13 in the message version, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. And it's in this this message called the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been looking at it over the last few weeks. And this is what Jesus says. He says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a shortcut guy. Like, I love shortcuts. When it comes to traffic, especially, when it comes to driving in my car, like, I love a shortcut. Anybody else? I know there's a few people who say, yeah, I like to go the long way around because it's the scenic route. No! Like, no, that, that's not me. If it's going to be five minutes quicker, please, I'll go the five-minute quicker route. That is just who I am. Now, what will tend to happen when we're in the car, because we live in this beautiful country called England, where there's like 70 million people living on a piece of land like this big we tend to hit traffic a lot and when I hit traffic in the car with my wife I'll I'll probably start to be tapping the steering wheel I'll probably give it a few of these (sighs) anybody else ladies do your husbands do this yeah you give it a few of those and Helen knowing what I'm thinking will go just be patient (laughs) Now, I know that patience is a fruit of the Spirit, but guys, I need to be honest with you this morning. Patience is something that I struggle with. Like, it is not top on my, on my gifts. I've got to be honest with you. It's something that I have to work hard at. So what I'll be doing, I'm the guy in traffic who's switching lanes frantically, trying to get there quicker. I'm the guy, like, at a traffic light, you know, if there's like two cars in this lane and three cars in the, the lane I'm in, I'm going to go into the lane with two cars. That's just me. That's just what I do. So we'll hit this traffic jam, and Helen's like, be patient. And I, I, I'm obviously in my head, I am not being patient. I'm thinking straight away, what is the quickest route? Helen will check the sat nav or the phone or whatever, and she'll be like, look, the, the sat nav says to, it's going to be quickest if we stay in the traffic jam. To which my response is, it's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. The sat nav's always. Always wrong. See, because I'm a man, I think I have this innate sense of direction that transcends the sat-nav or even logic. And I, I don't know about you guys, I don't know if there's anyone here like this, but wherever I am in the world, I feel like I know the right turn. <laughs> and you've got to know that when I get as lost and when we're going down a route that I'm not sure about, Helen will be like, do you want me to put the sat-nav on? I'm like, no, babe, I'm fine. I've got this. <laughs> 
What will tend to happen is this. It will take us longer. We'll be more frustrated, more worn out because of this crazy route that I've taken us on. And we'll finally get to our destination when we should have just been patient and stayed in the traffic. So I think as the human race, we're drawn to shortcuts. We love to try and forgo the process to reach the goal. We want overnight success, get rich schemes and take unnecessary and unrealistic risks as we try and shortcut the success that only the process can bring. This is never more true in get fit quick schemes. Who's seen the adverts for Beachbody in two weeks? Anybody? Yeah, like... Honestly, we'd all have a beach body if it was like that, wouldn't we? Uh, this is my favourite one. Six pack from your sofa. Six pack from your sofa. Now, you have to be a certain age to remember this, but there used to be this device that was on the, on the TV channels and it was this belt that you put round your body and it literally gave you an electric shock. Can, can anybody remember that? Yeah. Like, what kind of crazy person would own one of those? My father-in-law had one of those things. My father-in-law had one of those things. He's not here today. But he thought that he could sit down at his desk, put this belt on and get his abs. Now, I've not seen my father-in-law with his top off. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure he's not got abs. I'm pretty sure. See, we know deep down that this stuff doesn't work. But because we want to forgo the process, we buy the lie. See, this is because we know that there's pain in the process. We know that the process takes time. It requires hard work. It requires us to craft uphill habits. See, the process means showing up consistently, day in, day out. The process to get to where we want requires stopping power. It requires graft. It requires blood, sweat and tears. See, shortcuts are cheap. The process demands everything. In this verse in Matthew 7, we see Jesus warn us away from shortcuts, from the easy route, from the road that costs nothing. He calls us to something bigger, to the path less trodden. He calls us to the pain of the process, but the reward of the pain and the cost is a relationship with God that cannot be shortcut. The reward is a life that's fulfilled. The reward is a life that is constant in the storm. The reward is a life that's bigger than we could ever live on our own. This is the reward of the path less travelled. See, a relationship with God can't be crafted around your life. A relationship with God must be the main building block of your life. And this is where integrity starts. See, integrity starts with a heart that looks to honour God. Integrity starts with a mind that knows his way is best. Integrity starts with an attitude that puts God first. We are called to be people of integrity. In a world that's losing its grip on morality, we are called to be a people who stand apart and set a different standard. See, it'd be easy to live as the world lives, to be a byproduct of it, to live to its standard, to take the easy route. But we're called to God's standard. And this is a life of integrity. This morning, I just want to look at three key areas in which we're to act with integrity. Are you with me? 
The first one is this, Matthew 7, verse 28 to 29, it says this. The first one is internal integrity. At the end of the the message I just read at the start, this is Jesus concluding his address. It says this. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. See, the very definition of integrity, it speaks of wholeness. It speaks of oneness. It speaks of unity. See, living a life of integrity, it means to live a life that is whole, that is one. Now, this on the face of it might seem strange because we're talking about integral, internal uh, integrity. See, but when you consider what the opposite to integrity is, I think it makes a bit more sense. See, I believe the opposite of integrity is actually hypocrisy. See, in the verse we just read, we see that the teachers and the religious leaders of the day, their teaching carried no weight because they were hypocrites. Their lives did not line up with what they were saying. And the reason Jesus' ministry carried so much weight because he lived a life of integrity. The words he spoke lined up with the life he lived. See, a hypocritical life is one that isn't whole, but it's divided. See, hypocrisy talks one way and lives another. Hypocrisy asks a question, but does not live the life. Hypocrisy is a life veiled in falsehood and lies, built upon an insecurity that refuses to reveal the real person. Hypocrisy puts on a show for those around and is malleable, dependent upon the circumstance. So I think over the years, hypocrisy coupled with judgment has led people to staying away from the church. People haven't been able to be honest about their struggles, about their failures and about their hurts. And instead of being judged, they've put on an act. So if you think this is a place where everybody is perfect, I need to tell you today, you're misguided. This is not a place where you need to put on an act. We know that no one's perfect. I'm not perfect and guess what? Neither are you. So what we can do is find freedom together as we walk with God. See, this is what our small groups do. They facilitate this life together as we walk together and I deal with my issues with people who also are dealing with their issues. See, it's creating a safe place for you to deal with your baggage, where you can talk, where you can walk and where you can be you with other people just like you. See, where it come as you are, church. You don't have to dress different. You don't have to listen to different music. You don't have to be different to come here. You don't have to speak the right language. You don't have to say the right things to come here. You, this is a come as you are, church. Do you know why? Because we serve a come as you are, God. Jesus would not have hung around the places he hung around if he wasn't a come as you are, God. You can come here with your mess, with your baggage, with your hurt, with your failure, with your success, and you're welcome. I want to ask you this morning, is the life that you're living hypocritical? Do you change based upon the crowd that you're around? Are you one person on the work night out and another in church on Sunday? Are you putting on an act? 
Do the words you speak line up with the life that you live? See, internal integrity doesn't mean that we're perfect or that we never mess up, but it's a life that's determined to honour God. It's living one life openly and honestly, being real about our situation, about our issues and about where we are in life. It's a life that lives what it says. See, the hypocritical life looks to please people. The life of integrity looks to please God. The next thing I think we need to look at with regard to integrity is integrity with others. Matthew 5 verse 13, it says this. Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now on the face of it, this seems like a lovely little verse in the midst of a hard-hitting message from Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, which is undoubtedly a hard-hitting message. This seems like a welcome reprieve, a bit of a, just a bit of a rest. But I think that's because the way we read it and that's because of the way we perceive it rather than the way that Jesus delivered it. See, I think probably a lot of us have heard this verse, this passage of Scripture numerous times. I dare even say hundreds of times for some of us in kids' church, in school, in church. This is a well-known verse. See, I think sometimes interpretation here has more been about what we say than the lives we live. We've used this verse to motivate people to go out there and tell people about Jesus. And I've got no problem with that. But I think Jesus... It's talking here more about the lives we live than the words we say. Let's look at verse 16 again. Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, listen to this, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me break that down for you. Jesus is saying that the way you live your life will dictate whether or not those around you glorify God. This is astonishing. It hits home hard. See, your life is the greatest evangelical tool that you have. Sorry if you knew this morning, that one was for the Christians. Let me say it another way. When you live a life of integrity, people will see Jesus through you. When you live a life of integrity... People will see Jesus through you. See, we've let ourselves down at times as followers of Jesus with the way we act towards others. We've had low integrity towards people. We've lied, we've gossiped, we've cheated, and we've hurt people. See, what Jesus is saying in this verse, he uses the analogies of salt and light. He's saying this, you are here to make this world a better place for those around you. 
He talks about salt and light, and this might seem strange, these might seem strange analogies to you, but me being the incredible chef that I am, um, those who know me laughed then. Being the incredible chef that I am, I know that if I want to make a meal taste great, I just chuck loads of salt in. <laughs> I just, just bomb the salt in, literally. That's what I do, just to make my food taste great. If you ever come round to my house, honestly, please, the next day, do not go to the doctors and have a checkup because... <laughs> Your heart will be pumping to try and get rid of the salt that I put in your body. Salt makes everything taste awesome, doesn't it? And what does light do? Well, we know that when it's dark, we can't see, we walk around, we stumble into things, we hurt ourselves, we get lost. That's what light does, it helps us see. Jesus is saying, look, you're here to help people see the truth and make their lives better, not just by the words you say, but by the life that you live. See, our lives should be so different that people notice, that people are astounded by our consistency. They're astounded by our faithfulness. They're shocked by our love. They should be asking you what is different. See, if people around you aren't asking why you're different, maybe you need to ask yourself, are you different? And I'm not saying this this morning, I'm not standing here like someone who's got this together and you know, pointing at everybody else. I've had the privilege this week of being, uh, of being on the front row of this message. I've had the privilege of praying, working it through, hours of practice, study to get to where I am this morning. I'm asking myself these questions this morning. If people aren't asking if we're different, maybe we need to consider if we are different. See, when it comes to integrity towards others, I want to ask you a few practical questions. Are you a good employee? Do you turn up on time? Do you work hard? Do you honour your employer? Or are you always late? Are you good one day and not so good the next? Are you always complaining about your job or about your boss? Are you trustworthy? Can people take your word as definite? Or are you forever letting people down? In my job, I deal with a lot of contracts and sometimes lengthy contracts. And what, what's a contract for? Well, a contract really, if you boil it down to everything, it's, so there's clarity, but also because people lie and people say one thing and do another. So your word, our word as followers of Jesus should be as binding as a thousand page contract. People should know, people should be able to go to the bank with our word. Are you generous with others? Are you the first to the bar or are you always looking for handouts? Do you gossip? Are you always looking for something to bring people down or are your words building people up? See, if our lives are as important to people seeing God as Jesus says, then we can't afford to live lives that aren't filled with integrity towards others. See, maybe you've been praying for your friends or family and the breakthrough you need is not in them, but it's in you. As you begin to serve, as you begin to do what Jesus is saying, as you begin to live with integrity towards others, I believe that you won't have to go to them, that they will come to you. See, now this, don't get me wrong, I, I love to talk to people about Jesus, but listen, my life should be a better testimony than the words I speak. I believe as we do this, as we live with integrity towards others, that people are going to see God through us and we're going to be struggling to pack this place because there's going to be so many people who want what we've got. 
And finally, but the most important, we're called to live with integrity towards God. Matthew 7, the message version again, this is kind of the body. So we've, we've heard this, the start, we've heard the end of the message and this is the body. <clears throat> Jesus says this, knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What's required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored project had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, home over improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. These words of Jesus are crystal clear. Don't make God an addition to your life. Build your life on him. See, living with integrity towards God is the building block. It's the foundation for our lives. We use this phrase in arena, God first. And if I interviewed you all on the door this morning, I'm sure most of us would say, yes, Josh, God first. I'm in for that. That's the way I live my life. But I wonder if we really ask ourselves, if we dig deep, if we are putting God first. See, how can God be first in our lives when we don't even have 15 minutes in our day for him? How can God be first in our life when he's not even the second thought after our job, money, family, friends, television, sports? You put your thing there. See, I think one of our biggest opportunities for hypocrisy is in our relationship with God. See, you can fool people with Bible verses, with looking spiritual, with pumped up prayers, with saying the right thing. But listen to me, you can't fool God. He cannot be fooled. Our lives are called to be centred around and built upon God. He's not an additional add-on. He's not a side order. He's not something we just do with our spare time. He has to be our foundation. He is all-consuming. He is the, the God at the start of our day, the middle of the day and the end of the day. See, He is the one that we can't wait to be with in the morning. He is the one we walk to throughout the day. He is the one we run to when things get hard. This is what it looks like to live with integrity towards God. See, God isn't calling us to do things for Him. He's calling us to know Him. He doesn't want you to do things to get to Him. He wants you to do things with Him. See, these hard-hitting verses where the people in the story, they're saying, Jesus, we did all this stuff for you. We bashed demons. We put on God-sponsored projects. Let me just bring it right here to today, if you don't mind. Let me contextualise it. 
Jesus, we went to the early morning prayer meeting. Jesus, we, we went to first Tuesday. Jesus, we, we served in serve day. And God will say, I never knew you. Listen, you can't substitute a relationship with God with anything apart from God himself. Our meetings, our groups, our serving, it's because of our relationship with God. It's to fuel it. I don't want anyone else to get caught up in religion and miss Jesus. Jesus is to be experienced. He is to be lived with. He is not a textbook to understand. He is not someone who we, you know, just tip our hat to. He's not just a historical figure. He is here today and he says, hey, come and walk with me. Let's listen to these words again. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. I love the way that Jesus puts it here. See, if all we do is hear and don't do, it's useless. It's a waste of time. It's not hard to listen, to think. It's hard to do. This Bible is not a novel to be read. It is a life manual to be lived out with the power of the Holy Spirit. The words of Jesus... The words of God are to be lived out on a day-to-day basis. They are to be written on your heart and lived out through your life. My favourite part of my day is, uh, is when my children wake up in the morning. And I'm not always there to be there for it. And just last week, um, I heard Judah stirring. I think it might have been Saturday morning. I heard Judah stirring and me and Helen ran upstairs to, to go and kind of wake him up. And I said, babe, just let me, me go this morning. And I just went. And as he was stirring, I just put my head on the pillow next to him and just laid there and waited till he opened his eyes. I said, hey, love you. Did you sleep well? Do you know what we're doing today? I couldn't wait to be with him. Couldn't wait to spend time with him. See, I think this is what God's like with you and me. He can't wait. He can't wait. He can't wait for you to wake up. He can't wait to spend time with you. He can't wait to walk with you. But what we do, instead of waking up and being with God and spending time with God, we, we wake up and run straight to our phone. We get up, rush, get dressed, go through our day, focus on our things, forget about God, he's waiting. We come home, put the TV on, sit up, kick our feet up, go to bed and throw up a few customary prayers and then do it all again. And God was there like, hey, I want to spend time with you. I want to know you. This is not a religion to be learned. This is not rituals to be learned. God, Jesus, is a person to be known. Living with integrity towards God is having a living relationship with him. It's allowing him to work through you. It's allowing him to change you. It's allowing him to talk to you. It's allowing him access all areas. Are you living with integrity towards God? Or are you using him to make you look better 
Are you using him to make you feel better? Does he have access to all areas? Is he first? Choose to get to know him. Live with integrity towards him. He wants to know you. See, let's submit to God, guys. Let's live with internal integrity. Let's not be hypocrites. Let's live with integrity towards others, our lives making a difference.